0: Welcome to the Axiom Insights Podcast. My name is Scott Rutherford. This podcast talks about trends and best practices in supporting organizational performance through learning. Today our focus is on IT training and leadership. My guest today is Eric Bloom, who has a deep background in IT training. Eric has held numerous senior leadership roles at companies like Fidelity Investments and Monster, and he's an accomplished keynote speaker with TEDx and many other speaking credits, As an author of numerous books on technical and leadership topics, and he's the founder and executive director of the IT Management and Leadership Institute. In our conversation, we talk about his experience as a senior manager in IT and his experience as an entrepreneur with a focus on leadership development. So let's jump into my conversation with Eric with this background. Eric told me he didn't go to college expecting to work in technology. Instead, he expected to be an accountant. But that changed, he says, when he took a computer class in his first semester, and that quickly turned into a double major and a focus on computers.
1: So from there, I went into the uh, computer profession, you know, into really IT, or at the time data processing, uh, but always worked on business related systems because of my strong business and accounting background. So from there, you know, I started as a programmer, I was a business analyst, a um, project manager, uh, director of app dev, and eventually, uh, you know, in senior IT spots. So that's sort of how, you know, I progressed professionally. Um, As far as my interest in Continuing ed or in education uh, is about a about, I think it was the year after I got my MBA from Babson uh, is I was given the opportunity to teach a computer class you know just the typical oh it's Tuesday night I'll be teaching C kind of thing and I loved it and I taught one night a week at either Bentley or Boston University depending on I was at BU in the middle for a couple of years for about fifteen years. And uh, I loved it. I basically stopped because I stepped into a senior IT leadership role, and you know I was traveling, I was busy. You, you just couldn't do both. Also, to be honest, as my salary increased, the amount of money I was making as an adjunct faculty member became sort of, let me say, less and less uh, a percentage of what my overall income was.
0: So, as you were teaching those courses at uh, at BU and Bentley, those were uh, what programming languages? What what were the course? What was the course content?
1: What happened was is that you know um, when I moved into the management roles, which was pretty early in my IT career, is I always loved being a hands-on techie, so I never really felt comfortable losing my technical skill. So as a result, what I um, what I always taught at Bentley or BU was hands-on technical classes because they made me learn the new technology. You know, like when um, when C came out, I taught C. When Unix came out, I learned and taught Unix. And even though I, weren't us- I wasn't using that in my daily job roles is that having that sort of technical understanding and still having a technical edge was a great advantage to me as an IT manager because I could sort of talk the talk with the people in my team. I wasn't one that said, well, you know, 30 years ago when I programmed in COBOL, I could still do that. I could program in C or ASP or whatever languages it was, uh, got a, um, you know, a deeper understanding of technology in general that kept me current. So as a result, I always felt that that technical edge was also an advantage.
0: Moving from that uh, technical learning area into, and you mentioned you've moved, you moved into, into obviously management leadership roles yourself. With that comes the exposure to the other side of, of management, which is not just managing the skills, but managing the people. And I'm curious how you experienced that.
1: Uh, it's a long and sordid story. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, basically, what happened was is that also early in my career, I'd written a number of uh, computer books, uh, c Pascal, actually Cobol, uh, one or two others along the way. And then, you know, I just sort of let it go. You know, I did that stuff. That was something I enjoyed, but I wasn't really hands on anymore. So it didn't make sense. But then when I moved into IT management roles is that what did I need to do? I needed to promote people to first be first and second line IT managers. So more than one of them over the years said to me, because, you know, when I promoted them into those roles is then I had to train them how to do it. So as a result, more than one of them over time said to me, said, you know, hey, Eric, you've written a bunch of computer, uh, computer books, you know, is that you should write one on management training. You're pretty good at teaching us how to perform this task. So fast forward a whole bunch of years is that uh, first time I was laid off. I mean, given the opportunity to do new things, uh, you know, I had a summer off where I was applying for new positions, things like that. I wrote a book called Manager Mechanics, Tips and Advice for First-Time Managers. And then, um, you know, I got another job, you know, the book did pretty well. It was in the bookshelves, you know, it was in uh, uh, Borders and Barnes and Noble and that kind of stuff. And it was fun to go in and see my book on the shelf, you know, that kind of thing. And then I got another job and just sort of forgot about the book, you know, is that it wasn't, I did it sort of to do it rather than to make it a profession. Uh, So anyway, fast forward a few more years. My, um, uh, the publisher that I originally went with went bankrupt. I had to negotiate the copyright of the book out of, nego- out of a bankruptcy court, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And it just still sat for a while. Uh, fast forward till, uh, till 2009 is uh, during the financial meltdown. I was head of IT at a, uh, um, you know, at an asset management firm and was given the opportunity to do new things. So, you know, I had the the adult education background from Bentley. I had a book on new manager training, effectively. So what I did was is that became the basis of my company in January of 2009 uh, with under the name Manager Mechanics. Uh, I named the book after the open URL, and then I named the company after the book.
0: (laughs) So opportunistically, you you worked worked from what you had and built on that. Yeah, makes
1: sense. And, you know, why, you know, the technical bend is look what my background was you know, is that where really I had my most experience and, you know, was in teaching technical people to be in a management. I could not only train them, I could coach them and I could mentor them because I'd been in those positions myself. So that's sort of how it all came about. What I learned later as a member of National Speakers Association is they have a, uh, an expression to get rich in the niche. So by specializing in IT leadership, training. What it did was it differentiated me from the everybody else that did that. I mean, in the, but at the end of the day, delegation is delegation and negotiations, negotiation, influence is influence. So I'd say even to this day, maybe 10, 15%, maybe, I don't, maybe 20, I don't think it's that high percentage of our training is actually to non-technical audiences. What we do is we just change out the case set.
0: For the technical audiences one of the conversations I've been a part of in my career, having worked uh, some years in a uh, public uh, university on the west coast, I had had some conversations uh, at the time with uh, faculty and leadership in some of the technical disciplines and one of the one of the gaps that the university was trying to address at that time, for the competitiveness of its graduates was to ensure that not only the technical skills were strong, which I don't think was ever a question, but also that, you know, the graduates were prepared to work in a business environment and collaborate and, and to, uh, to be able to become leaders, to, to, to use what uh, are increasingly now called the power skills or the, the soft skills, as we used to call them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, you know, I joke with people is is that uh, every, t- every class I teach, whether it's, you know, our certifications, the ITMLP or, ML- or ITMLE, uh, or our, you know, single-purpose classes like leading with influence or whatnot, they could all be changed to the same title. What that title would be is what Eric Bloom should have known in his 20s, 30s, and 40s that would have saved him a lot of time and aggravation. Because I was your typical techie. I had fairly good communication skills. But as far as emotional intelligence and all those other things, that's a learned skill. And what I was taught as an undergrad, particularly with a double major, is, is that, oh, those psychology classes, oh, those communication classes. Yeah, 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 but why should I take active listening? I've been listening to people since I've been born. Why do I have to take a class in it? So, and so what I was told to do there and became my bias was if I have the choice of taking you know relational databases or you know whatever the technology was, it would help me fill out my technical resume that would help me get a job. And then when I got a job, what I was told is, well, now you have to expand your skills. There's new technologies coming out. You have to stay marketable. So I continually was sort of pushed. And it was my own bias too, in fairness, to go for the technical jobs. But then what happens is you move into a managerial role. And then you realize you've had no training and no experience in this new position, which is going to be your future career.
0: So let's talk a little about so your business you founded in two thousand nine. So you're starting a new business sort of sort of out of the ashes of, of, a, of a tremendous financial disruption. Talk us through talk us through the process, yeah.
1: You know, give me an I, I joke about it now. But you know, you're in corporate America for your whole career, or, or I was up to there. And, you know, I'm an IT, so what did I do as the head of IT? I was supporting marketing and sales and finance and all these other areas. I thought I understood how business worked. Uh, to give you an idea of how little I knew I thought that the middle of the recession in 2009 was a great time to start a train company you know I mean I laugh about it now you know uh, you know over a dozen years later but um, you know thank goodness I didn't know what I didn't know or I might not have done it
0: So let's uh, talk about the formation then. I guess there was a little evolution between that first, the the, the, uh, iteration number one of the business being formed based on the book, and your experience into uh, the the progression between that and the ITL Institute.
1: Uh, What happened was, is the company originally was called Manager Mechanics, again, after the book, for six or seven years, I would say. And in that process, is that uh, I, where I was? we had some clients of our own. A lot of our training, maybe three quarters of it or more, was actually through companies like Axiom. You know, great companies that, that could, great training companies who could find really great clients and then would sub out or work with content providers like me to put it in. The way I describe it is, is basically you would put the butts in the seats and I would provide the trainer and the material as my company grew a little bit, is that initially it was always me and my materials. It's still our materials. uh, But the thing is, is that, uh, you know, it would be me or one of my trainers that would be teaching that class. And that worked really, really well as we moved towards the, um, you know, then the certifications and so on. Uh, But uh, the certification started and generally was marketed in the same format. You know, heavily nationwide, uh, both the ITMLP, which is IT Management Leadership Professional, you know, geared for soon-to-be managers to about five years of IT management experience. And then the ITMLE came about about a year later because people were saying they wanted more, which is from um, either more seasoned, single managers, or upper level. You know, I'll call them managers of managers. Just in big companies, they were called senior manager, director. But those terms have so many different meanings. You know, I tend not to use them. Uh, But anyway, what happened was, is we got the certifications out. They were being marketed nationally, again, mostly by third-party training, a specific third-party training company. And uh, uh, they started doing really well. They were pretty good and people liked them. And we were the, you know, the governing body for it. So it felt really funny to have the governing body of two certifications, you know, the ITMLP and ITMLE, to have their governing body named Manager Mechanics as a training company. So what we did was we really took an internal look at ourselves and what we were providing and what we wanted to do and that we wanted to do research and we saw these certifications as a uh, truly providing value to the IT and IT management industry so we renamed the company after the certifications as the IT Management and Leadership Institute. So that's sort of how the transformation happened and that was Maybe five years ago. Now we do some research. We we uh, we do some other things along with it, and uh, it's been a fun ride, I must say.
0: So, what's the experience like then for the learner? For like, maybe let's just take the IT management leader, leadership professional certification. Uh, so, if if someone is in information technology and considering advancing their career path and considering a certification. What's that look like?
1: First of all, you know, while certification itself, I think, is very important. You know, I mean, it adds credential and that kind of thing. But the truth is, like any certification class you would take, the power is in the training. And it's in the materials that you're learning and the skills and the knowledge that you're gathering. So what the ITMLP is, by its nature, is it teaches what I like to call the business of IT. So someone becomes a first-time manager, you know, whether it's in, you know, IT or accounting, finance, sales, anything, you become a first-time manager. All big companies have great new manager training programs. They teach delegation, performance reviews, how salary planning works, uh, difficult conversations, conflict resolution, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, that's in there. And originally, we did have some of that material in there. But we learned over time is that what we, really, and what we really concentrate on now for the last few years is those things that are special that an IT manager needs to know. So, for example, is, is that in the IT MLP, and you'll hear that this is related for new managers, but IT oriented. And by the way, I always suggest talk to your HR person, talk to your internal training person, take that class, you know, the generic one and learn about those skills because they're of incredible importance you know, is if you're going to be successful as an IT manager. But what we teach things, it's like life as a technical manager. What are those things you know? How do you, uh, you know, how do you negotiate with one of your, uh, your project stakeholders, you know, on a number of resources, project scope and delivery date? You know, is that how do you influence people internally and external in IT so that your projects can not only get completed, but adopted? Um, you know, we talk about uh, an overview of methodologies, not that we want, uh, not that we're going to cert, you know, be certified in them for what you're going to learn in a cross methodology class, like on a Wednesday morning as part of our nine topics. But it talks about ITIL and Waterfall and Agile and Lean IT, you know, and things along that line, because if you're an IT manager, regardless of where you are, you need to understand the business of IT and the, 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 um, the management landscape. You know, how do you drive innovation, you know, and uh, problem solving as, as an IT manager? You know, how do you, how, you, how do you handle being a cost center manager? You know what I mean? You, you know, your budget versus actual report. What is it and how do you use it and all the things related to that. Then the management and then on the third day of it, we talk about IT internal client service. So as you see there, it, what it is, it's a base skill set that's required for either an IT manager to use directly depending on what their job is or at least to know how it works to be able to work with their peers and position them not only for success, but upward mobility.
0: If you think about the students you've had participating in the certification uh, program, I realize it's probably hard to make generalizations about career path and intent, but I'm curious whether you find folks coming to the certification to advance within the IT sphere or to use it as as perhaps a, a building block to move into a broader management role. There's always the conversation in business, or at least uh, it, if you believe like Forbes Magazine, everyone's clamoring to be the CEO. How do you get there? And I'm curious how, what your experience has been with the certification programs. Are, are people looking at this as a way to broaden management skills within the IT sphere, or as a springboard to you know COO or CEO?
1: Well, let me say for the ITMLP, which is really first-line managers, is they're really learning, trying to learn the mechanics of how to be an IT manager. So for them, I would say is where they may aspire for you know CIO or higher management positions. They need to learn, well, the mechanics, going back to an old term, uh, the mechanics of, IT, of the, the business of IT, of being a manager. So they're learning the business side of it. So they're not so much... Um, it's more just sort of, what do I do? How do I grow into the role? Uh, I know how to do some of this stuff, but gee, what actually is vendor management? Why should I care about it? The IT MLE, the more senior one, the uh, management and leadership executive, that's more positioning people, again, for middle and senior management roles within IT, but a lot of the things that we discuss uh, generally prepare them actually for anything in management. You know, I'm, I, I will propose whether, and I also do executive coaching in, you know, in this same space. And, you know, what I've said to people who are in, you know, CIOs of smaller, in smaller organizations, 30, 40, 50 people in IT, you know, down to first line managers, is you can't just be the head techie anymore. What you need to be is a strong business executive who, by the way, has, to, has the skills to lead a technical organization. You know, so that I would say at any level of IT management, you know, let's, I'll just so now call it just the senior manager or director VP level, is what you really want is a seat at the business table. You know, is that the first time you're hearing about a project is when the business comes to you and says, let's implement software X, is you've missed the whole first part of the discussion, which is around the strategy and why do we need it and what's its return on investment. And you know, what what in our direction should move us that way. So as a result and, and also as you move up the ranks is you become less hands on and tactical and more business and strategic. So everything you do technically, you have to have business think business first and technology second. Like, and then I'll talk to people in internal operations and they'll say, all right, we have to upgrade the routers. I mean, how could that, what could that possibly have to do with the business? Yeah, it it just
0: happens to be the technology that helps everyone connect together, but that's not important, I'm sure.
1: Well, plenty. Because if your routers go down, guess what? You have no business. <laughs> so you know, well, but <laughs> true. Let's see, exactly. But the thing is, is why would you upgrade the routers and the data center? Well, sure. first of all, cybersecurity it minimizes technical risk because newer versions of the operating systems and the routers and you know other equipment of the communications equipment of that type is built from a security first perspective. The second reason is, is you're minimizing business risk. Because if one of those things goes down, guess what? You lose the third floor of the building, which happens to be sales and marketing, you know, from uh, for a day or two days until the power comes, the uh, connectivity comes back up. So regardless of what you're doing in IT, you have to think of it from that business perspective. So back to your original question, people at this level, they're still thinking of moving to a CIO or whatnot. And not everybody wants to go into the business. A ton of IT people went into IT because they love IT. So I wouldn't I would say that there's a lot of IT people who never want that COO job. You know, would be more general over the business or a CEO job. You know, it's just not what they're interested in. So, you know, is that uh, there's a lot of great techies by the way who don't even want to go into management. You know, they'd rather stay hands-on individuals and I think that particularly bigger smarter companies are recognizing that. I mean, realistically in most in most IT shops is the uh, your senior um, your senior enterprise architect, who knows where, we, where all the, let me say, technical bodies are buried in the data center, like, oh, don't reboot that server because the source code that's on it is gone, you know, those kind of people. they are many cases worth at least as much or greater value to the company than many of the VPs. So as a result of that, you know, they should be able to grow in that. In fact, it's called a fellowship program. I write for CIO.com. I wrote a post on it a month or two ago, actually. And, um, you know, that they should be able to grow as true technical professionals without ever managing people. So to think that everybody wants the CIO job, I mean, CEO job, or even the CIO job, many do, but many don't.
0: And we'll put a, note, uh, a link rather to the post, uh, that you, or the, the article you mentioned in the show notes for this episode as well. So folks can refer it to there. So as we, as you sort of Round out the the conversation about IT training. I'm, I'm I'm curious to get your perspective about how the available. Uh, delivery mechanisms, I'll put it that way, of IT training fit together. Um, you mentioned uh, having done classroom training uh, in in your past, and of course, the, the fault in many uh, training disciplines today is, okay, well, we need an instructor in front of a classroom of, of people. On the flip side, you have uh, certainly emerging populations of, of professionals who have gotten very used to on-demand, self-sourced training I need to figure out a new a new uh, scripting language. I'm going to go on YouTube for half an hour and do a deep dive and figure it out on my own, uh, and 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 go rogue. How do you see these options coming together for for the IT professional? And, and how does how do you think the the training professional can manage all of those potential inputs to to to, to develop the skills uh, of their of their
1: team? I have a very definitive answer for you. It depends. (laughs) And what I mean by that is it depends on the person, certainly. Um, It also depends on the technology, on their specific role in the business, et cetera. Uh, For example, if you have a .NET programmer and you want to teach them Python, you know, and you want to get them up and running in two weeks as a reasonable Python programmer, you know, probably the best way to do it isn't to turn them loose on YouTube. Is that what you need to do is I look at, I look at training. I'm gonna talk on the technical side first and then the managerial. On the technical side, I look at training of all types as an accelerant. You know, uh, they actually say what 70% of the, uh, 70% of someone's work skill and knowledge comes from doing the work. But if you've ever tried to learn a technology in a, in a vacuum on your own, it's really hard. Because technologies are very different, even though at their base level, they all do the same thing. You know, the syntax, the rules, the tricks, the naming conventions, the thing you sort of know because you've done it for six months or 10 years. You know, so as a result is, is that I think that there's a place for all different types. Like, for example, if I wanted someone to be learning Python, then I might have them, you know, um, you know say, hey, on demand, you know, take this, uh, you know, two hour Python class online just to get a gut feel for what it is, and then put them in an instructor-led class. The reason is, is because there's lots of these questions that come up, you know, is that when you have a a live instructor, and then I'll talk the difference between virtual and in-person, but when you have a live instructor come up, what it does is it provides you a number of different types of opportunities with the learning. You know, first of all, what it does is a good instructor can answer questions about the technology. They're not talking heads. You know, they're not this. And like, for example, Python class, you know, something online, may talk about how loops work and what they are. You know, and, you know, you put this at the top, you put this at the bottom, you put stuff in the middle, it reiterates. All right, that's all fine and good. But someone who was a C programmer for 20 years and trying to learn Python, they don't need that. So as a result, with any of the, the, the fixed programs like that, I mean, yes, you can go around and pick up little pieces, um, but the instructor-assuming quality, and I would virtually everyone I've seen in the technical space certainly is, is that they can jump around. They can make that comparison. You know, they have someone in the class who's going, say, from uh, from .NET to Python. It can say, oh, you know how in .NET you do X Y Z? Well, it's sort of the same thing here, but you do one two three. Oh, you're a C programmer? Yeah, trying to learn Java? Yeah, you know what? You don't have to worry about that null-terminated string at the end of anymore. You don't have to worry about garbage collection. Java does that for you. Oh, really? You know, it's those kind of insights and those kinds of bridges from technology to technology that happens with an experienced live instructor that you don't get from an on-demand class. Not that they're not good. I mean, you, you can learn a lot from one. But where I see that on-demand is better is if you're going in for a particular, get to gain a particular knowledge set from a skill set where you already have a basis. That's where at least, you know, as a technologist myself, is that I found that that was the best way. I mean, I want to talk to somebody and I want to ask them questions. And I want to say, hey, you know, in this one, is while when better than do while, you know, in this or, or else, even if they're both the same, which ones do you see when it's used by professional programmers in industry? You know, is there a standard, you know, like little things like I can say A equals A plus, you know, A equals A plus one, which is an incrementer, but it says A plus plus. I mean, I know what it is, but which one do you use? And have the instructor say to you, yeah, if you put in A equals A plus one in, you know, a modern program, they're going to laugh at you that you didn't use an automatic double plus incrementer. Oh, why? Oh, well, because they will. <laughs> you know, it's those things that you gain by having a live, knowledgeable instructor that you, you, you just don't get if it's, if it's on-demand learning, which, again, has its place. No disrespect to, to on-demand learning as I'm saying it. But it's a different paradigm that solves a different set of solutions.
0: So for the yeah right, and so for the for the uh, you know L and D head of L and and D manager or director. Uh, you often see the, the best formula is to present a uh, sort of a catalog of options then for training, which includes some on-demand, uh, you know, uh, so there's a knowledge bank, there's some on-demand, curated on-demand resources supported by live instruction, whether that's virtual or face-to-face, and perhaps even more, you know, on uh, Detailed coaching, or or, or, or time intensive coaching. Uh, so sure, it's I, I, My belief is that no one piece of that can be can be as effective as possible if if it isn't supported by the others.
1: Agreed. I agree hundred percent. You know, each one has its value. You know, there are every different training mechanism. There are they all should be viewed as different. You know, different arrows in your quiver. Some will be more, some might be better for others at different times. Some people might only like demand because you know what, they, they want to do it at two in the morning and they don't want to really talk to people in a classroom. There's other people who need that interaction in order to internalize. it. So I agree with you. I think that sort of the full set, whether it be on demand, you know, in person, lab based, they're, they're all, they all have their place, again, depending on the person, the skills and the ultimate goals of where the person wants to go. So the other side of that coin is, rather than talking about the technical skills, let me briefly talk about the IT management skills. Is and those come from two different directions. First of all, you have to be able to manage people. Second of all, you have to be able to run a technical organization, and the two of them are different. Just like running marketing, I'm sorry, running sales, you have to know about uh, sales quotas and you know different, um, you know different customer quartiles and things like that well in IT you have equi- uh, equivalent things you know like for example you never want to have only one person who knows how a technology works because that maximizes your risk and what happens if that person leaves or goes on vacation so what i would say is is that unlike technical skills which you want to teach to the person the day before they're actually going to use it You know, because ask any, it's happened to me, ask any techie what happens if you took a class six months ago and now you have to use it. It's gone. You got to retake the class. In fact, you'll probably be aggravated that you got to take the class and then didn't get to use it for six months. Leadership skills, particularly in technologists, because it's not what they went to school for, it's not the experience that they have coming in, uh, is it's a slower burner. So I think the time to take just a new manager training program is just before they're brought into management. I also think along the way, classes, I'd start with, say, emotional intelligence that they should be taking as a senior individual contributor. You know, uh, leading through uh, leading through influence, which by its definition says you don't have management track anymore. Because leadership, interpersonal skill stuff, is a much slower burn to internalize it. You can't take a class on influence on Friday and then be an expert implementing it on Monday. The reason is is you haven't had that couple of months to think about it, to practice it on your friends and family, you know, to pick those three techniques that you're able to internalize. It's It's a different type of thing. And ultimately if you move into the IT management ranks, when you're first promoted to manager, not only are you at risk professionally, But so is everybody who reports to you, because you're in a job that you don't have a clue how to do. At least that was the case for me, because what happens usually is the best techie becomes the manager. And as we all know from sports, the best athlete isn't necessarily a good coach.
0: I like what you say about it being a slow burn though, which makes sense, especially when you you, uh, compare it against the feedback cycle in development. If you're writing code, you know where the error is immediately. If you're trying to become a manager, and having been a manager for some years, you don't always know where the error is until it's many months later.
1: Yeah, well, humans don't come with reference manuals. You know, the the way that I sort of describe it is is let's say that uh, let's say that you worked for me, all right? And I walked in your office and I said, "Hey, Scott, congratulations. Um, you're going to get a promotion, and I'm promoting you into a role that you didn't go to school for. That you that the job, the great job you've been doing, to me that me to cause me to promote you." None of that is experience that you'll need in order to use in your in your new uh, your new promotion. And oh, by the way, the reason that the job opened is we promoted a technical person into this role about a year ago. Oh, and they failed miserably. So anyway, welcome to IT management. <laughs> a lot of support is needed. And just one last thing is, and this is true across all professions, that the the business skills the interpersonal skills the political skills needed as a first line manager is very very different than that needed as a second line manager director in IT if you're heading up a silo such as you know app dev ops help desk Infrastructure, data center, you know, they're all very, it's very different moving to that role. And then when you move into a CIO role, it's yet another full set of skills, knowledge, and experiences that you need to gain very quickly to be successful. So anything that people can do by just looking at what their manager needs to know, in fact, there's a name for it, it's called level up management, is that if you understand things from your boss's perspective, when you get promoted to your boss's job, you're halfway there because you've been thinking like they think for the past six months or a year.
0: All right, good advice, and uh, I, I think we'll we'll wrap with that. I, I appreciate it. This has been a great conversation. And a lot of fun talking to you.
1: My pleasure. Thank thank you for having me on. Pleasure talking to you also.
0: Thanks again to Eric, and we will have links to the ITML Institute, their IT certifications, and links to several of Eric's articles as well on the episode page at axiomlearningsolutions.com slash podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Axiom Learning Solutions. Axiom is a learning services company that works with learning professionals to bring together the people and resources needed to accomplish virtually any learning project. Many L&D leaders know Axiom as their virtual bench for learning professionals, either short-term or long-term, to help them move learning projects forward. That includes instructors, coaches, developers, instructional designers, LMS administrators, learning strategists, project managers, and virtually any learning role. Axiom is also a custom content and learning program development provider, working with a global network of thousands of learning professionals to help out with content development, content updates, and training program delivery, either face-to-face, virtually, or through any modality combination. And for companies looking to make strategic changes in their culture and competitiveness, the Axiom strategy and leadership practice brings together solutions to build internal leadership capabilities. To learn more, contact Axiom for a no-obligation conversation about what Axiom can do to help your learning programs succeed. You can find Axiom Learning Solutions at axiomlearningsolutions.com. Click Contact Us. Thanks again for listening to the Axiom Insights Podcast.